Welcome back to another episode of Tourism Geographies Podcast. My name is Stephen Pratt, and I'm coming to you from the University of Central Florida in Orlando, USA. I'm one of the editors of the journal Tourism Geographies. The journal Tourism Geographies is an international journal of tourism, space, place, and environment. We hope you've been keeping well since the last episode and look forward to learning more about cutting-edge research in tourism and geographies published in the journal. Now let's get to this week's episode. Okay, uh, welcome to this week's episode of Tourism Geographies podcast. I am fortunate to be joined by Ting Ting L. Lee. She's a research assistant professor in the School of Graduate Studies at Lingnan University, Hong Kong. And her research embodies particular interaction between tourism, place, and well-being. So it's a great fit with uh, tourism geographies. And this week, we're going to be talking about her paper titled An Autoethnography of Confronting the Transatlantic Slavery Discourses of Liverpool. Elle, thank you for uh, joining us this week. Steve, thank you for having me. It's my great honor. Well, I'm uh, very interested in this topic. We had a recent uh, podcast also by Felix Otto on this topic based in Ghana. So now we're taking it from a, a very different perspective from, let's say, almost the sending uh, country of uh, of the UK. So, uh, Elle, can you tell us a little bit about what was your motivation by undertaking this study? As tourism researchers, we uh, we cannot avoid noticing that Places associated with death and suffering have attracted growing attention in recent years. So we want to explore the deeper, effective world of uh, authors ourselves and our responses to some personally significant moments uh, in visiting some uh, significant places. So we choose to visit Liverpool uh, during the lockdowns, <laughs> in between lockdowns during COVID period. And uh, we want to confront its transatlantic slavery discourses. Okay, I mean, how how did you how did you hear about the whole idea of this sort of form of of dark tourism or or the slavery discourses? Oh, we are quite influenced by recent discourses in tourism and travel heritage studies. This body of work has. In, uh, investigated how visiting dark sites generate complex, disturbing, or even unsettling feelings. So these studies highlight that dark heritage experiences are complex and deeply personal encounters, and they will involve both conscious reflections and embodied and unconscious responses, some of which we may not be aware of when we had them. So this is a major motivation and inspiration Excellent. for us. Great. Excellent. And listeners may be interested to know about the term autoethnography. Can you explain what does that actually mean and how did you go about uh, conducting the research? This autoethnography con- uh, contains two parts, two main parts. The first part, we wore uh, some wearable devices with video audio uh, tools with us. And with the heave, we uh, drifted within Liverpool. And then we try to capture our emotional encounters, our feelings, and some responses. And then we returned. And immediately, we 
revisited these responses, this uh, material, and discussed what we felt and why we felt this way. So it's a quite uh, uh, spontaneous and at the same time reflexive. Great. And which sites did you visit in, in Liverpool? Just uh, maybe uh, give a little bit of background. So my understanding is that Liverpool was the place where uh, a lot of the transatlantic uh, ships went from went from. Yeah. <clears throat> we paid three trips to Liverpool and we visited different parts of Liverpool every time. Uh, so this this material generated a, a large volume of data. And this paper is mainly about uh, our encounters, moments, and responses uh, within the Liverpool Slavery Museum. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. So you're recording your uh, your multi-sensory input uh, in this uh, context. So you mentioned, uh, I, I, I see in the paper, you mentioned uh, some different concepts, how you sort of uh, framed your analysis referring to identity, gender, uh, bodily capacity, and cultural values. Can you, you know, go into a little bit of detail about, um, you know, the con these concepts and why you use these concepts to better understand this phenomenon? Mm, yes, of course. Uh, we actually drew on a theoretical perspective called a non-representational theory, NRT, to examine how our feelings arise and the process of a consciously and unconscious, unconsciously registering significant events and moments. This perspective was first proposed by Nigel Thrift, who put forward a set of tenets to challenge the preoccupation with conscious thought in our academic world. And our intention of translating such thought into verbal, written, and graphic signs and symbols so he and uh, other proponents of NRT have asserted that a sizable proportion of the world remains unrepresented. So they seek to redirect geographical emphasis from representations to practice, embodiment, materiality, and process. So we actually, we were inspired by this thinking and challenged our original way of capturing emotions and effect. So we, we want to conceptualize effect as the body, man's potential and transpersonal capacity that occurs before we experience emotions and feelings. So such potential emerges before conscious thought and our emotions and will bring sufficient intensity to enable feelings to dissolve into subjective and memorable experiences. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, you know, I'm more of a. I've done some qualitative research, but none of this uh, of this nature. And I'm more of a, a quantitative guy. But so I'm interested. What what is what were some of the challenges that you had uh, as a researcher in in using this uh, method? That you know, so maybe some tips and tricks that you might be able to share with uh, with younger uh, or early mm. career researchers? Mm. It's very interesting that it was our very first time to use this type of uh, technique and autoethnography. So it's quite challenging. It's quite challenging, especially during the period of COVID. <clears throat> Sometimes we have some spontaneous 
encounters and responses within the museum, for example, sometimes it could be very overwhelming and it's a little bit challenging for us to take recording and also discussed, uh, had some dialogues at the same time because we tried too much, I felt, to do so many things at the same time. So I think next time we could plan better and uh, try to make the things we want to do into a manageable, you know, manageable capacity. So you get a lot of data. So, I mean, you're recording yourself. And how how do you how do you actually literally record the, the data? Uh, we use several equipments with us. Both of us wear a a, a video camera. Yeah. So once you uh, record yourself, how do you translate <laughs> that into let's say uh, I mean, do you do a transcript or or how do you uh, yeah how do you change uh move from the videoing uh or you know the the body camera to to actual let's say written data that you analyze oh we actually produce both video video data and mm -hmm. textual data yeah so all the dialogues occurred during our visit were transcribed okay into textual data and uh, for the video data we revisited them selected them scanned them and uh, we also took few notes to 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 remember uh, to help us remember the spontaneous the insight responses and feelings yeah okay. so it's quite a mixture of yeah. different types of data right yeah. so it, it was i guess quite a challenge to bring all that to together to try to uh, synthesize all that uh, large amount of data and to and to bring it all together yeah that's right now, uh, interestingly, talk about uh, auto uh, ethnography. Then the role or the positionality of the researchers are, are very important. So, you know, in your your paper, you identify as uh, uh, you know as as, as Chinese, and uh, so how does how does that uh, your positionality affect or the interpretation or or your um, the way that you approach the the research? Oh, this is a really good question. Uh, I think positionality is really important, not only for autoethnography, but also for uh, other types of qualitative research. And positionality really affects our understanding of the transatlantic discourses and uh, shaped our interpretations that we produced in this paper. So we keep reflecting on our personal positionality. So me and my colleague, we conducted a, a different types of reflection on, okay, who we are and our identity and gender and how these factors affected our understanding of this piece of history. So we, we also uh, produced a short paragraph in the paper regarding how we did the reflection and how this type of thing affected our uh, interpretations. Yeah, that, that's that's very important. A point you mentioned because you know your perspective and your understanding and your worldview will be uh, as, as a as a as a Chinese uh, will be very different from someone who's let's say from Africa or, um, mm. or, and someone who's from 
someone who's from uh, you know the UK, so um, you know one of the, one of the sending uh, countries. So I, yeah, I found that very interesting in the paper. All right, so let's let's move on to results. What did you what what did you find? Uh, we have uh, some very interesting findings that I think uh, our listeners and readers can take away. Our findings suggest that uh, effective encounters in these slavery spaces represent a highly nuanced, complex, and personalized assemblage of sensing, feeling, and affecting. And some parts of these encounters arrive much faster than our thoughts, reflections, and rationalizations. So this part could be easily overlooked in verbal representations or through traditional uh, qualitative research methods like uh, interviews. So our study further highlights the significance of visitors' personal characteristics, like what we talk about just now, our identity, ethnicity, gender, bodily capacity, and cultural values and beliefs, and their interactions with multiple sensory input in the setting of tourism and the rhythms of drifting. And this is important in shaping effective conflict uh, reconciliations at this newly encountered place. You mentioned in, in the paper, you know, through your, let's say, upbringing, then, you know, you're more familiar with uh, the philosophies of Confucianism, Taoism, and legalism. Mm -hmm. So, and and how how did you try to reconcile those, uh, let's say, values or uh, background with uh, what you were what you were seeing? What sort of feelings did it evoke when you saw the the uh, Liverpool's International uh, Slavery Museum? Mm -hmm. uh, this is a, a personal narrative from my colleague Eric. So he had some very different interpretations. Uh, compared to me from a female Chinese individual, he mentioned that the Confucianism and some traditional values and beliefs in Chinese culture greatly shaped his interpretation and feelings in the site. So I can share some of the very interesting writings from him regarding uh, traditional Chinese families. They they raise their children, especially boys, uh, and telling them that they cannot express themselves. Uh, mm. They call it a man should not weep unless he deeply grieves. So we call it uh, in Chinese. That, that affect his values and beliefs when he grew up and he need to be the strongest member in the family and he should be capable of dealing with anything and concealing their feelings. So this kind of value shaped his uh, interpretation in uh, seeing some of the very cruel images in the slavery museum, like uh, uh, some uh, babies or women who were enslaved and, uh, you know, and he, experienced some hard time to negotiate and experienced more about collisions, coping, and some unsuccessful reconciliation. 
he said too many feelings hit him simultaneously and he was uh, overwhelmed. So uh, it's quite different from my feelings uh, because I'm not uh, a boy. Mm. And uh, yeah. So the experience is quite gendered. We hear about, you know, let's say, destination marketing organizations or, or you know, just tourism uh, operators just, you know, providing an experience. But uh, it's really, it really has a different effect on people um, and a different response is, you know, based on their based on their background and their history and uh, their knowledge, I guess, for these uh, types of events. So both opening, you know, tourism opens people up to lots of different uh, different worldviews and different experiences and and different incidences, you know, historical incidences that have a have a, a different effect on based on their personal characteristics and and values. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, so uh, that's that's the results. You said you conducted this in, collected the data in, in COVID times. What about going forward? Have you had a chance to use this, these methods in other, in other contexts or in other research? Or are you interested in exploring this uh, topic of uh, transatlantic slavery and the impact it has on, on tourists in further research? Or have you moved on to sort of different uh, areas now? Mm. Thank you for asking. It's a very, very good question. We actually really want to use the same methodology, uh, even advanced version of it, to explore from, uh, other phenomenon or uh, other concepts in tourism and destination marketing. Uh, we haven't had a chance yet, but uh, we would like to promote uh, the using of this type of uh, video audio methodologies to capture ourselves or tourists real-time spontaneous reactions even their emotional responses and combine this type of uh, real-time capturing with post-visit reflections to produce a more comprehensive understanding of tourists emotions and affective experience so i think uh, this type of method could help us notice something important and subtle, which we may easily overlook in the past. We may revisit this material with tourists together and discuss further with them why they have this type of responses, why they co-produced. Then we can co-produce interpretations together of effective experience in the tourism setting. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, one uh, last question from from me. How was how was the given that this is quite maybe a new uh, way of uh, collecting and synthesizing data? How was the review process? Did you have trouble helping uh, reviewers understand uh, what you were trying to achieve? And um, how was that the interaction with uh, the reviewers and the feedback they uh, they gave you? Uh, the review process is uh, very meaningful and constructive, actually. And we were very lucky to have uh, three very constructive, very kind uh, reviewers who are also experts from transatlantic uh, slavery heritage, heritage management and uh, slavery discourses. So they provided very good feedback for us to improve they constantly challenged us to think further and push the boundary uh, especially during production of personal narratives and we have never done that before it's a very 
fulfilling and a beneficial process for both of us. Yeah, and I think this is a, especially the 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 part I like tourism geographies, that when we submit a very novel a research with novel methodology, uh, the editor provides with a sufficient support and mm. with very suitable uh, reviewers. So that's why I think we are really, really grateful. Excellent. All right, Elle, is there anything else you wanted to uh, add? Uh, no, that's uh, pretty much uh, what we had. Well, a fascinating study. I encourage all listeners to uh, go ahead and uh, read uh, Elle and her colleague Eric Chan's work titled An Autoethnography of Confronting the Transatlantic Slavery Discourses of Liverpool. It was published in Tourism Geographies in 2023 in volume 25, issue number five. Uh, look it up, volume 25. Uh, thank you, El, again, for speaking to me. Fascinating study, and good luck with your future research. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Tourism Geographies podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Should you have any ideas, questions, or comments that you'd like to feed through to the production team of the Tourism Geographies podcast, please feel free to make contact with us. To find out more about Tourism Geographies, the journal, you can go to Google and type in Tourism Geographies and soon enough you'll be directed to our journal website. Until next time, take care and safe travels.